All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the Boston studios. Live here on DraftKings Network, DraftKingsNetwork.com. You can catch us also live on DraftKings YouTube as well as Samsung TV Plus from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, as well as wherever you get your podcast. We've got a great show. It is wire-to-wire football today. Coming off our first weekend with the NFL back, we had college football mashed up along with it. We had upstates, upsets. We had incredible games. But this morning, we have a very, very damp version of my father, Mike Golick Sr., who is coming to us live from New York, just off of the Cowboys and Giants Sunday night football fiasco. Uh, Dad, so you were wet and sad like all the rest of the fans in that stadium for what was one of the more shocking results of week one. I haven't seen a game that dominated in such a long time. I haven't seen weather chase people like that in such a long time. Before halftime, it was, what, uh, what 26 to nothing. People were leaving and not, not trying to get a jump to the concession stand. They were leaving, and I don't blame them. I mean, I, I don't blame them. You know, as as now an announcer, we go from the field to the to the booth, Mike. And oh, by the way, you get the Texas Alabama game, a good yeah. game, and I get this stinking game. So obviously, we'll talk about that. Is you have to try and as an announcer, you always keep trying to sell of why you should keep listening to this game. I mean, midway th- through the third quarter, I'm like, I'm done. Our last ditch effort, our last ditch effort was Dallas scores on their first drive of the third quarter of their, if anybody doesn't know, of their 40 to nothing win mm. over the Giants. And it was every bit 40 to nothing. It wasn't like flukes here and there. 
So their first drive of the third quarter, Dallas goes down the field at 10 plays and scores. 26-0, make it 33-0. This was our hook. Well, if you're a Giant fan, understand that last year, Minnesota was down 33 to nothing to the Colts with eight minutes to go in the third. Now the Giants are down 33 to nothing, and there's 10 minutes to go in the third. So there's actually two extra minutes for the Giants to start their comeback. I mean, two drives later, I'm like, Ryan Radke's the guy play by play for in our booth. I'm like, Ryan, I got nothing. I'm done. I, I, I got nothing. I, I, I got nothing. So, no so, so hook to be at clear, all. Your guys yeah. attempted a hook yes. with using yes. the best modern comeback <laughs> in NFL yes. history to say, yes. you know what? It could happen twice in That's a game it. where both sides don't have an announcer coaching and a game where both sides don't have some aging <sighs> veteran quarterback begging God for the sweet release of death behind center. We could make this happen in this game. Honestly, I have to applaud the effort. I really oh. do. I mean, it was that that's all we had. I mean, then I'm just, you know, making stuff up, trying at the end. It was easy. My my I was basically screaming into the mic. Why are you leaving Daniel Jones in the game to get abused in the pocket? And I'm sure, you know, obviously, Brian Dayball had to deal with that after the game. And then it was pouring rain. But we're in a booth. Right. So we're not getting wet. Everybody's getting soaked. But as soon as we walk to our car after the game, which now it's about midnight, we just get dumped on. So just like the players and the fans were soaking wet, we got in the car soaking wet. Get back to the hotel about 1230. I'm going, did this really just happen? Now, the only people more disgusted than me were the players and the coaches and the Giant fans because it was an absolute bloodletting. But the one other thing I tried to say, and this is true, Mike, and you know this, is it's one game. This team is not going to look like this in week five or week eight, even though I'm sure in all, you know, on the local stations in New York, it's going to be like, why the hell we pay Daniel Jones all that money? Why does Andrew Thomas get all that money a left tackle? These guys stink. It's going to, it's going to be bedlam here today talking about that game. Yeah, it's the primetime effect, right? Everything feels worse after the standalone game. And it's rare that you get one where everyone also feels worse because the weather seemed to match the mood there at every step of the way. Anyone left in that stadium in the third quarter, you're sick. Like, truly sick. I don't know what would... Like, Jesse, what amount of money would someone have to pay you to have actually stayed into that stadium through the second half of that game? Because that's when it started coming down in sheets. The game was wildly out of hand in that point. You saw the players and coaches barely felt like being there. And I get that people pay their hard-earned money to get there. Maybe you're only getting to one place maybe game a year. Maybe you brought your kids. But at some point, and Jesse, especially as someone who lived her first weekend now watching football with a toddler, God forbid you had kids at this game. If I had a child there with me, I would say uh, $500,000 is what it would have taken to, to get me to stay. No child, I probably would have stayed for about like ten grand. You know, like five seems too low in that moment. You're just like too cold. It's too dramatic. But I probably would have stayed for ten. And, and I, mean, I got to think about the chafing dad going back to the parking oh, lot when you're that wet. Oh, just, God. Just brutal when you're riding home and your clothes are soaked. And this game, by the way, started out great for the Giants. They they took the kickoff. They went right down the field, basically running the ball or short passes. They got down deep into Dallas territory. Then you get a, a false start by Thomas, the left tackle. You get a bad snap. And then who had on their bingo card – uh, Wanye Thomas with the block and Noah Igbenogany with the scoop and score. I mean, seriously, 
Who had that on the bingo card? A blocked field goal attempt and a 58-yard return for a touchdown. But even then, I was like, okay, well, listen. The Giants, we know what's going on in the sideline. Hey, we just drove down the field. It was a good drive, bad finish, but it was a good start. Let's do it again. And that was it. And, and in all honesty, while nothing redeemable for the Giants here, the Cowboys' offense wasn't any great shakes either. But obviously, you take the win. I did their opening game last year against Tampa Bay, and they looked horrible in their loss to Tampa Bay. By the way, this was Mike McCarthy's first opening day win in four tries now with the Cowboys. But the Cowboys' defense, wow. I, I now, I don't know if it was because of this offense, or, or but this defense was one of the top defenses in the league last year. They had 54 sacks, which I think was like uh, third in, in the league. They had seven last night. They were having an absolute field day. Micah Parsons, and you picked Miles Garrett. I picked Micah Parsons, and I think right now they're they're one two for, for defensive player one. of the year. Defensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean it was incredible how good that defense was for Dallas. So that's what I took out of it. This defense is for real. And Giant fans, stay away from the rooftops and the cliffs just yet. Give your team, you know, some time to kind of look like what they're going to look like. That's this not year. how New York works. No, it's definitely. I know, yeah, I know, I know. I know. Expect, oh, expect, expecting New York fans who, like you yeah. said, I mean, the backdrop going into this game, and, and as we go forward this year, guys. My father is on the call for the Westwood One Sunday Night Football broadcast on radio, so we will have him coming to us live from every city that Sunday Night Football is in for the most part as the season goes along. And Dad, I, I wonder if very few more after it will have this kind of effect. Because like you said, it's so many different reasons why there could be panic in New York today. Because it's the first game of the season that's supposed to be full of right. hope. Because you did dis-, dis out money to a bunch of the guys in that team, including your quarterback, that now, whatever the structure is, however we talked about the deal being team-friendly, the banner is going to be your $40 yes. million dollar a year quarterback, Daniel Jones, based on how you structured that contract. So you're going to have that out there, and you're going to have Brian Dable going into year two. You're going to have the fact that it was a division opponent and the fact that it just was a non-compete, getting shut out in that moment. All these things are going to prompt everyone to ask, what's wrong with the New York Giants this morning? And Dad, to your point, I really think it's going to be a lot fewer things than we saw in this game. Yeah. Overall, do I have questions about how multifaceted this offense is going to be this year? Because everything looked like it had to kind of be a gimmick. Everything kind of looked like it had to be built off a run. There were things that looked like stuff you would see creativity-wise from a college football team that had to use the legs of Daniel Jones, which were elite on the first drive there. Yeah, How much are they yeah. going to be able to press the ball downfield, especially because the guy you went out and brought in this offseason and Darren Waller quite literally limped into this game with hamstring conversation all week long. There are legitimate concerns I have about the Giants, but we still saw enough there to also look and be able to say, all right, hey, game script got away from you early. And in a game where, especially on one side of the ball, you're out-talented in this game. This Dallas roster is one of the best in the yep. NFL. It's expected to be a Super Bowl-winning team. And while I think we all expect an improvement for the Giants, Dad, I don't think we looked at them as a Super Bowl-winning outfit. I get that this is the NFL, and the margins are always going to be closer than they are at the other level. 
But I still look at this game and go, especially for that Cowboys defense, you're right. That might have claimed to be the best defense in the NFL. And they are specifically built to target the weakest area of the Giants, which is their drop back pass game. And so game script wise, when you get buried the way that they did, you're in hell pretty early in this one and can't claw back. And and, and like you said, it's a first game. It's a a division game. And I know on the TV side, it was talked about a rivalry. But again, this has been a hammer and nail rivalry, right? The last 11 times Dak Prescott has faced the Giants, he's won. He's 11-0. and 0. Uh, Daniel Jones is now 1-5 against the Cowboys. So this has not been any type of rivalry as of late. It just hasn't been. So, you know, where, where did the Giants – I thought the Giants would want to get Waller, Paris Campbell. Those are the two new pickups they got on the offensive side. It was all about let's help Daniel Jones so it's not just Daniel run outside, which he did, you know, effectively a few times. Hand the ball to Saquon. Throw a swing pass to Saquon. You know, it's get some receivers. Uh, Paris Campbell had one reception. Waller had three. They're going to get integrated more into the offense. But as we know – Look what they did last year, got to the playoffs, get a playoff win. So the next step is naturally, let's get further. And then, Mike, as you know, you work the entire offseason. You work the summer. You work preseason. And then you're like, week one, let's go. And you lay an egg like that where you just get physically dominated on the field. That is one of those you just shake your head. Probably, you know, you're going to watch the tape for mistakes, but for the most part, Man, I'm putting that game away. It was a division game. You know your opponent. Slide that one away. You may want to look at some one-on-ones and some individual play. Other than that, man, I moved the hell on from that one. Yep, I I would totally agree. I think there's a lot better days ahead for this Giants team. I think a special teams touchdown, a defensive touchdown. I mean, you're talking about multiple non-offensive touchdowns. That early in the game is going to throw any game script out of whack. And then it just spiraled from there. It was the perfect combination of a matchup that was always going to be a problem, getting exasperated by those non-offensive touchdowns, throw in a little bit of rain mixed in there that's also going to alter your game plan to some extent, and what you get is this, a game that I don't think is indicative of who the Giants are going to be as a football team this year. Again, we can have legitimate questions about is their ceiling that much higher now than it was was last year, but I trust Brian Dayball still as a head coach. Yeah. I trust Mike Kafka helping coordinate that offense and what they're going to continue to do there. We did see positives from Daniel Jones using his feet and how that's still going to be one of the most effective weapons for this offense. Although, Dad, I will say the only thing that I'm truly critical of of the Giants in this game is that decision by Brian Dable and company to leave Daniel Jones in as long as they did at the end of this game. You saw him taking shot after shot in a way that just to me felt unnecessary. Again, if so much of the rest of this can be wiped away by circumstance, that's the one thing I can legitimately look at the coach and say, I don't understand the thought process and would love to hear why you thought leaving the guy that you guys did just sign to a deal this offseason that you are going to need for the remainder of the season, regardless of what fans may think this morning, in for a game where you were behind backup offensive linemen at that point against a defense that had been hitting you all night. Uh, That was a a stunner to me, a a, a stunner. And then late in the game when he's in there, Sam Williams, the outside rusher for the Cowboys, is offside. How they didn't blow the whistle because he was unabated to the quarterback, I don't know. And he just saw Daniel Jones in half and then was offside. He's like, oh, well, it cost me five yards, but I got to smoke the quarterback. Right. That's I a defense yeah, dream. Yeah. I, I did not understand. I, I agree. That was, as far as things going wrong, it happens. But that's a decision that you can make. 
that you can say, you know what? And there's the pride thing. Listen, we're getting our ass kicked. I'm staying out on the field. I'm finishing the game. You got to get past that and say, yeah. you know what? This is game one. We got we got 16 more of these, and we need that guy. And he's getting if he's not getting sacked, he's getting hit. He's getting hurried. Get him the hell off the field because you know, as a former offensive lineman, the glee and joy of look of a D lineman's face in this game because all you're doing is teeing off. You're teeing off to rush the passer, and if they happen to run the ball, you'll try and break it off and make a play. But you're getting you're getting how we call one on one in practice when you do one on one pass rush in practice. It's kind of an unfair thing because. You know it's a passing down. You know you don't have to wait for a run. That's what this was. Everybody knew that the Giants had to pass it, so that defense is just teeing off as pass rushers, and that puts even more burden on an O-line that was already getting their butts kicked. It was a brutal outing on that side, and they had to do it with wet shoes, which is my least favorite thing in sports, (laughs) having to play with those waterlogged wet shoes. It's a nightmare. No one should have to do it. Um, we could spend more time on the Cowboys eventually, but dad, I think you're right. Not really much to write home about with the offense in this game. Mike McCarthy back calling plays for the first time. Now that Kellen Moore has departed and has gone over to the Los Angeles chargers there. And it looked fine. We saw this team be able to competently rush the ball. Um, you know, you had a little bit of a banged up offensive line, Tyler Smith, your rookie first rounder from last year doesn't end up active for this game here. So you test some of the depth right off the jump, but They get the ground game going. Dak Prescott looked fine in this game. Not super remarkable, but it really was that defense looking like, yet again, could be one of the leaders in the NFL in turnovers, is going to create havoc on every play, and is going to make life a living hell for so many people. We don't know if that was the only shocking, uh, most shocking result in the NFL because we talked about the struggles for the Giants on offense. Jesse, we had another waterlogged game featuring a quarterback coming off a payday that didn't look so sweet. Yeah, the battle for Ohio wasn't actually much of a battle at all. Uh, the Browns only giving up three points to the Bengals on their way to that 24-3 W. It was very bad, okay? Bro finished the day 14-31 of 31 for 82 yards. The team's passing drops to 67 yards due to two of those sacks. And here's what Joe Burrow had to say after this uh, L. Yeah, nobody's, nobody's panicking in here, guys. It's... One week one doesn't define anybody's season. Obviously, not very good out there, but anybody that watched saw that. Uh, but we've been in this spot before. We've come back stronger and, and had great years. So that's what we're going to do. He's still, you can see his hair is like slicked back. He's soaking wet. He struggled. We saw him put on a glove. We saw him take a glove off. He couldn't really get into a rhythm out there in the rain. Obviously what he's saying, guys, makes perfect sense, right? First game of the season. We're going to bounce back from this. It still feels weird when a dude signs a record-setting contract and then comes out and it's just not pretty. Yeah, you forget that he signed that record-setting contract after spending most of camp off the field because of a calf injury that, i got to be honest, still looks like it might be bothering him because that didn't look like the Joe Burrow that we're used to uh, and is dealing with knocking off more of that rust. Dad, this looked like a guy that's used to seeing the beginning of the regular season start off slow for them, understands the first quarter of the season, is basically like an extended preseason because halfway through that game, Dad, it looked like he just wanted to get the hell out of there. Yeah, and listen, that team and he has had their issues against the Browns, right? They've struggled against the Browns, just like they, they've been doing well against Kansas City. They've struggled against Cleveland. 
And this this wasn't just the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, they give up over 200 yards rushing to Cleveland, who we know is a good running team, but they didn't help a whole lot in this. And people are going to say, well, Burrow not only doesn't didn't play in the preseason, he didn't practice a lot, but that's happened before. He came off the ACL his rookie year, didn't practice much the next preseason. Then one of the, the preseasons, he had the appendectomy and missed a lot of practice. So he's missed practice before and come out and still done great. He has the right attitude. I mean, that was so nonchalant out of him and, you know, about – Hey, come on, it's game one. We're going to be fine. We're going to be better. You know, maybe inside he maybe felt a little different because, of you know, a beating he took from that. Uh, another serious factor here is this Browns defense is a yeah. really, really good defense. They've been on paper. They underachieved a couple of years ago, kind of like Washington on paper. But, you know, then they come back and, and they play strong because they have an excellent roster. So uh, a good job by Cleveland and kind of a ho-hum comments by Joe Burrow saying, eh, guys, we'll be fine. It's just week one. Uh, Burrow's yeah. record against the Browns drops to one in five over his career, and yeah. that's the most losses he has to a single team in his career. So they just, like, have this guy's number. Yeah, Burrow is to the Browns the way he, all, he uh, the way the Kansas City Chiefs are to him, apparently, here. Yeah. We'll see if it happens when it counts. Dad, I'm with you. You look at Miles Garrett and what he did up front, oh. but also on the back, Denzel Ward, Grant Newsome. Um, or excuse me, Greg Newsom, Grant, Grant Delpit in Delpit, this game. Yeah. Your three leading tacklers were three of your guys in your secondary, young players that you've been building to around there that are really starting to show some promise. There was not a lot of place for Joe Burrow to throw this. And another game, sloppy track here. Both sides, you kind of saw feel the effects of a pretty sloppy rain-filled game. But ultimately, we'll wait and see. Deshaun Watson had moments in this game where he looked like he could start to, start to become the player he used to be. But a lot of that went on the defense. Coming up next, though, let's look at another quarterback that made an exciting debut in the NFC North. Next on Gojo and Gold. Hey, Dad. What do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. 
Welcome back. I'm Jesse Cofield. You are watching Gojo and Golik presented by Wrangler. And guys, it's time for Miked Up Monday, where we take in some sounds and sights from around the weekend. And we are going to start with Saints coach Dennis Allen in the locker room after their opening W. Look, I told you last night, okay, but I didn't hope we would win that game. I knew we were going to win that game, right? And look, it's not always going to be exactly how we want it to go, okay? Sometimes we're going to have to dig down deep. You with me? And that's exactly what we did, okay? We dug down deep and we made the plays that we had to make to win the game. That was outstanding, okay? Now, there's a ton of stuff we got to get cleaned up, right? Here's the beautiful thing. We get to clean all the mistakes up, all right, and yet still, when I get done, we're cranking that music up again, and we're going to enjoy it. <laughs> De Dennis Allen reminds me the most of if you just, like, put together, like, a stereotypical coach. Like, he doesn't have a ton of defining characteristics. Most of what we heard there was pretty cliche. He's a guy that got elevated from defensive coordinator. Like, he's sort of like the Ma like a Madden sim coach here. He feels like a non-player character, but he's won with a win now in week one, so congratulations to him. Yeah, and and I had picked New Orleans to come out of the NFC South. You know, they had the most experienced quarterback in Carr coming in there from the Raiders. Uh, still no Elvin Kamara for a couple of more games. Good to see Michael Thomas back again. This game was maybe a little closer than you thought. Ryan Tannehill, there's times you don't know what you're going to get. What you got out of him yesterday was no touchdowns and three interceptions. Uh, you got another domer kicker in Blake Groupie, uh, who could be one of the smallest guys in the NFL. He so kicks small. three. Yeah, kicks three field goals for New Orleans, but they get that touchdown. Carr gets that touchdown pass at the end of the third uh, to to uh, get get him to 16 points, and then they hold off Tennessee as they're trying, you know, kicking field goals, trying to get back in this game. This one was a little closer than I thought it was going to be, but it doesn't matter whether it's 40 to nothing or 16 to 15. It doesn't matter. You know, you're one and zero in that situation, and you move on. There is no rankings. There's no style points. There's none of that in the NFL you take the win and you move on yeah we knew there was going to be some turnover on the Titans offensive line we know the Saints defense has always been pretty stout and so judging them too harshly off of week one Derek Carr's stat line ended up looking a lot better than it felt watching in that game dad 23 of 33 for 305 a touchdown and an interception yeah, yeah. this was methodical would be I think the operative word and the nice euphemism for everything we saw there good to see Michael Thomas back making a few big yes. plays looking like himself which would be massive for that team Chris Olave up over 100 yards again water is wet had a little scare in that game where he looked yeah. like he might be hurt yeah. but overall in a, a division that we talked about with Aaron Schatz who, from uh, FTN who believes them and the Falcons could both be playoff teams coming out of that division. The Saints went off and checked the box early here. Defensively, though, that's going to be what leads this team, and they showed up. A couple of sacks, a few sacks in this game, multiple interceptions in this game. They did what we expect them to do all season long. So the Saints getting things started, the Titans in transition. I, I watched this game and just started to wonder what the clock's going to look like for when we start to see Malik Willis or eventually right. Will yep. Levis start yep. to get their snaps under center uh, for that particular team here. But uh, let's get to uh, our next bit of sound here. Jesse, what we got? Yeah, okay. So the Jordan Love era has officially begun, everybody. Absolutely incredible. I've seen some amazing memes that came out of this moment, but let's take a look at uh, this post right here. You can check it out. 
it feels great. It's definitely been a long time coming for me. Three years as a backup, um, just watching, learning, and, and growing, um, seeing this team work. Um, and it feels good to be out there um, leading those guys and being out there playing with them finally um, and come away with the dub. It's just what we wanted. I, I saw one where um, uh, he was being held up like Simba. It was like Jordan Love. <laughs> like, that was the fav my favorite meme of the weekend. Yeah, it's been interesting, Ted, to watch the reaction to this. Um, it's kind of like a Rorschach test for what you think about the quarterback position. I, I looked at Jordan Love and I went, you know what? That's a good first box to check, right? He went out there and you hear this all the time with young quarterbacks getting in. And while Jordan Love, we know, has been around the league a few years, he's a young quarterback experience-wise, is he went there and he managed the game very well. And I think yeah. in the early going, especially with what they've got around them, and you saw Dobbs get in on the action a little bit there. You saw Jaden Reed, one of their great picks out of Michigan State, get in on the action, special teams and on offense. But more than anything, Dad, this offensive line was out there wearing Chicago out up front. We knew that was going to be the strength of this team going into the year. And with that as the foundation, it's going to make life so much easier for Jordan Love in the transition, who had a couple of nice throws, had a lot of RPO throws mixed in, had a number of misses also in there, all things you'd expect from a guy meaning, playing his first meaningful football. But the great thing about it, because you're right on everything you said about him, but no interceptions, right? Didn't turn right. the ball over because the expectation of a young quarterback is to hold the ball too long. Only sacked one time. That O-line is excellent in front of him, and that's going to help. You're going to get a, a decent run game, though the, the running wasn't phenomenal. Uh, they averaged, I think, under under three yards a carry in this game. That, that, that certainly will improve. But I do like the way he managed the game. I, I had said we had talked about this. I'd like – how he looked in Sam Howell as far as two non-established quarterbacks, how they looked in the preseason. And this defense should be pretty good for Green Bay. Remember, this this was a 10-6 game at halftime. This was a, a close game at halftime, and then Green Bay just broke it open. Talk about another city that's going to be like, oh, my God, you know, here we are in Chicago. Aaron Rodgers is finally gone, and he's owned us, and now we got a guy who's sat for three years coming in and playing, and he throws three touchdowns against us. What the hell do we have to do? More, you know, you know, hands and head for Chicago Bear fans as they're trying to make, take the next step. But I, I like what I saw out of Jordan Love about, again, it wasn't gaudy numbers by any stretch, but I thought he managed that offense really, really well. Yeah, I think uh, for Bears fans, God, the rallying cry this morning, and I'm sure it's going to lead every Chicago sports talk show, is how the hell did DJ Moore only have two targets in this game? Yeah, yeah. The wide receiver that you got in the trade for the number one overall pick is supposed to be this security blanket, help, finally a true number one weapon for Justin Fields, your quarterback. And we saw in the preseason that pay early dividends. We got the flashes everyone looked for. And then forget if he had only had two catches in this game, but it's on 11 targets and all hell just broke loose, we could handle that. But the fact that you – I mean, they were designing plays for you know any other number of guys on that team. We saw throws out there to chase Claypool – and yet you couldn't buy anything for the guy that's supposed to be your number one. Dad, that was incredibly frustrating to see. Justin Fields, we saw more of the same gifts with his legs, but we're waiting for that downfield passing portion to really develop here, and we didn't see any real indication of that through one game. That's the next step for Justin Fields, right? We know we can run, and there was that talk, should they trade him away to get the number one pick? I didn't think so because I, I, I'm excited to see the next step for Justin Fields, but that is it. You had three other receivers – targeted seven times 
And DJ Moore targeted, as you mentioned, twice and had two receptions. So we'll see if that shifts around again. It is week one. You can say that about all teams, whether they win or whether they lose. But it is week one. All right, let's finish off week one with one more. Jesse, what do we got? Yeah, Rams went into Seattle and won their season opener. And Coach Sean McVay, very happy with his veteran quarterback, Matt Stafford, who, by the way, without Cooper Cup, passed for 334 yards, did not commit a turnover. I thought Matthew was excellent. You could really see. You give you give him a click, and he's able to survey it. I mean, what a throw to Puka Nakua on the right sideline. Um, and, and he sat in there and delivered it. There was a rush bearing down on him. And, you know, he's our guy, and, and he played like, uh, like the guy that we all know and love. And I'm sure happy to be able to see him out there competing the way he is with his teammates. And he elevates everybody. Yeah, Matt Stafford, not done, guys. No, no, that, no. That was probably the biggest takeaway is Matthew Stafford looked healthy and his offensive line looked healthy. Remember last year they went through more starting O-line combinations than I think we'd seen in NFL history. And now this year that group gave him time. And Stafford, he had a puka and he had a tutu and he had all he needed in that receiving room. <laughs> I mean, yeah, again, who, who's calling that one? A tutu Atwell and a puka Nakua, which is a, the classic BYU name without a, without a doubt. Uh, but – Great games out of those guys. They have, I believe, the youngest roster in the NFL. And remember, we talked about how they were going to have to rebuild uh, because of all the moves they made, and they won the Super Bowl. Now they're rebuilding back up. But what a game. No touchdowns for Matthew, but no turnovers either. Kyron Williams, a former Domer, gets a couple of rushing touchdowns, number of field goals as well. So a win I did not expect to see for them. No, and this one also, I think, just as much about a lot of the injuries on the other side. For Seattle, both starting tackles go right. down in this game, although it sounds like they'll be able to come back. So we'll wait and see what happens with those guys. Uh, but coming up next, why don't we look ahead to some upsets in college football? The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Uh, Dad, we had a lot going on in the NFL this weekend, and we will get to some of our top weekend performers overall since there was life outside of that this weekend. We'll hit a few more of the big games and big questions coming off the NFL slate. But while you were in New York covering the Giants and Cowboys game on Sunday Night Football for Westwood One, I was in Tuscaloosa covering Texas-Alabama on Saturday night for Learfield Audio. Had a great job. Chris Hassel, my broadcast partner there. That game, Dad, I said after, I don't know if it ended up being the game of the year, but it was definitely the last quarter and a half of the year. That thing went from competitive and tight to full-on fist fight between two drunks at a bar. It was like a Rocky movie at the end. Everyone just throwing haymakers, no one playing any defense. And at the end, we get to say Texas winning 34-24 on the road, Dad. I don't know if they're back. I think we might have beaten that meme to death, resurrected it, and then beat it to death again. But they definitely look like a team that is going to be worthy of college football playoff conversation as we go along in the season. They checked a huge box here. Yeah, they did. And a lot of people thought last year with a one-point loss to Alabama, they were on our way, on their way, and the season didn't turn out the way they wanted. But they did look strong in this one. As you mentioned, going into the fourth, qu- fourth quarter, uh, you, there's a te- uh, Texas gets a touchdown. It's a twenty to sixteen game, you know, and then and then they took control from there, which which was a little surprising. You start to look at some of the just like the last couple of years, we started questioning some of the things with Bill Belichick. You know, now with Nick Saban in Alabama, you know what what are we looking at? Uh, you know, Quinn Ewers for Texas throws for three forty nine, three touchdowns, doesn't turn the ball over, and Jalen Milrow, a new quarterback at Alabama. Still kind of trying to find his way. Runs the ball well. Um, didn't average three yards a carry, though, in this one. Throws a couple of interceptions. Throws for just a hair over 50%. Tommy Reese, uh, the offensive coordinator who came over from Notre Dame, is now going two years in a row with quarterbacks who struggle to throw the ball. Last year, the backup, Drew Pine, played most of the year at Notre Dame. Not not a great passing quarterback. And right now, Milrow isn't showing to be a great passing quarterback either. So that's what they're dealing with now in Alabama. Yeah, and dead through two weeks now, you've seen Jalen Milrow kind of heat up as the game's gone along. Now, you had two back-breaking turnovers in this game, both of them on balls where he threw and just flat-out did not see the other defender creeping into the frame to go and take it away. And so... Those are the things you're going to have to iron out because we also saw he's got the arm to make some impressive throws. He's got a couple of receivers, Isaiah Bond especially, who are track athletes. They've got speed to stretch the field and try and mix it up and mix it in. And, Dad, they're going to have time to answer those questions. We know part of the deal is with Alabama, because you put the conference you play in, because the team's still left on your schedule, they're not going to be out of the college football playoff conversation by any means here. They're going to have to figure out, hey, are we going to stick with Jalen Milrow and just take the bad with the good, right. take the development here, or are they at some point going to get desperate and is now the leash coming off this game going to get shorter to where we could see a Tyler Buckner coming in at some point, the transfer player from Notre Dame that came along with Tommy Reese after spring ball. Dad, I think the most impressive thing for me from Texas was the poise late in this game. They were down, at, uh, I believe, going into the fourth quarter of this game. They were, looking, yeah. Looking back. And all they did was go out there drive after drive and make big plays. Adonai Mitchell, the transfer wide receiver from Georgia, was sensational taking the top off. But Quinn Ewer's dad, who Texas fans wanted to see, could he match the consistency or could he match 
what he's done in some of the big games here. Deep passing, incredible in this game. Deep passing, incredible in some of their big games. Can that last them the season? Because this is a Texas offense that is built off those bombs. That is how Steve Sarkeesian wants to live. I thought he called a phenomenal game. He had Alabama's defense looking every which way in this one. I said it was like Chris Tucker and Rush Hour. Which one of y'all kicked me? The Alabama defense <laughs> couldn't figure out where that ball was going. It was moving fast. It was efficient. And along both lines of scrimmage, this Longhorns team looked and acted the part. Yeah, and I, I think this, the schedule is pretty favorable. I, don't, I know they're one of the favorites, if not the favorite, to win the Big 12. I, I think they're looking good. That was the hurdle they needed to get over. And you're right. They were down going into the fourth quarter. Uh, what was it, 16-13? They scored the next 14 points to take a lead and never relinquish it. So that's, that's what you like to see. How, how do you answer the bell? You're down. you got to come back, and, and you're able to do it and able to get a pretty good lead and beat a team by 10 you know, an Alabama team, which is always is putting a, a really good product on the field, not as great as we've seen over the last few years, you know, last year and this year, a few years before that. Um, but a, a nice win for them. And like I said, Wyoming, they're home to at Baylor, home to Kansas, home to Oklahoma. I mean, you know, Houston, BYU. I, I, I like their schedule. I, I think they're going to be right in the thick of things. Yeah, that's a lot of why I picked them to be one of the four playoff teams because I thought with that schedule, they'd have yeah. as good an opportunity as any and they would have a chance for this kind of marquee out-of-conference win. And we know it's about to become a conference win very, very soon here. And that's kind of the other subtext to this, Dad. And you saw a lot of Texas fans in that stadium puffing out their chest jokingly chanting SEC because we're a year away from them joining this conference. And that's why this win feels like even more than just in the here and now, right? For Steve Sarkeesian, this is year three. He's still trying to build a program. And so this is a great tool to be able to show your locker room the way we do things is working if we keep this up and don't get caught looking ahead when we have a team coming in from Wyoming who's already been part of a major upset this season. If we hold that down, we've got plenty of opportunities. But, Dad, this is also proof to everyone around there that you're getting ready to walk into the SEC and you look prepared. And all those five stars yep. that you've been stacking up on both lines of scrimmage are going to be able to go out there and perform against Listen, I walked down on field before that game, and I got a chance to see Tommy Reese, who I played with and who I know from Notre Dame, Seeing that team in person, the bodies are just bigger. Like, I know yeah. people get tired of the SEC superiority thing, but it's just bigger boys down there, quite frankly, along the line of scrimmage. And I said as much, but you look for Texas. There wasn't a huge drop-off there, and I think that's what people in the Big 12 would tell you is if you're just going about what's coming off the bus the last couple of years, there's no comparison what Texas is bringing to the party. But seeing this kind of performance, and for Quinn Ewers, who's got Arch Manning breathing down his neck, right, who had all right. these questions and didn't get to finish this game last year, this had to be particularly satisfying to go out and ball the way he did, also knowing, hey, I could be draft eligible this year, or at the very least, be walking into a situation where now you look at this SEC move is a little less daunting than it maybe felt like before. Yeah, I mean, and, and you talk about that schedule next year going to the SEC. Then you're going to talk about attrition, harder games each week, and the cumulative effect of a season as opposed to what they're facing in the Big 12 to the SEC. But they'll worry about that next year. You know, this year, th th this is a big, big win. And we had talked about that before the game, that being close and that moral victory, which we don't really like, isn't good enough anymore. You know, Texas needs to pull off this big, big win, and they did. They did indeed. For Alabama, you're right. The questions are going to come. It's going to be real curious what it looks like around here 
if this continues to be the team because right now dad usually with Alabama there's like an understanding that the floor is incredibly high they moved the ball very well on the ground in the early portion of this game here they were getting basically whatever they wanted there we've heard about them wanting to maybe snap back into that form right Nick Saban and the boa constrictor that he had starting in 2009 and all those teams but you wonder if that's still possible in college football in this day and age where so many teams can spread this out and score so fast. I get not everyone's walking into the party with the same kind of talent that Texas did against this Alabama team, but this is going to be real interesting how hairy this gets because Nick Saban has been the man around there for a long time, and I've seen and heard a lot of people comment that the ending for the Saban era will not be a long, drawn-out process, that it will likely be short and very, very fiery if and when it does. I'm not saying I think that this is the end nigh right now, but I'm saying this has a season where, for the first time in a long time, they've had enough transition for a team that so many people still picked to win the national championship yeah. before the year. They got big-time questions that showed up in a big-time stage. It's like Nick Saban you know, gets the benefit of the doubt that he's going to put a great product on the field. And this year, the biggest difference, right, is a quarterback position, right? Yeah. I mean, where there was an actual quarterback competition – and they wouldn't say where what a quarterback competition was, which means nobody was really grab, grabbing the bull by the horns here. And they certainly didn't grab the longhorns by the horns by any stretch. I had to get that one in there. Uh, but but that's uh, not been a situation Alabama has been in. They have been a team that's had not only a good quarterback, but a great quarterback that they've had. Now they don't. And unfortunately, the rest of the team in this game in particular couldn't pick up the rest of the slack. Yeah, they lost multiple guys at big-time levels, right? Will Anderson Jr., Bryce Young, Brian Branch, and I think they've only meaningfully replaced one of those guys. Coming up next, though, we'll see if anyone in Alabama or Texas did enough to make our all-weekend team here on Gojo and Golan. All right, guys, we're in the heat of the summer, and you need a pair of great shades that you don't have to baby. Knockaround Sunglasses is the go-to for quality, polarized shades that won't break the bank. Plus, they just released the first set of teams of their official MLB collection, including Red Sox and Yankees. Don't be the person that's squinting into the sun or worried about getting sand on their overpriced sunglasses. Check out knockaround.com for great-looking polarized shades starting at just 28 bucks, and use code GOLIC for free shipping on your order. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. I'm Jesse Cofield. We had a big weekend, okay? First weekend in the NFL. We had college football. We had U.S. Open madness. So we're going to do a little weekend recap here with the guys, and they are going to give us their all-weekend team. So, fellas, for whatever reason, who made your teams? Yeah, uh, let's start off, Dad, because we want to go first team, second team, and honorable mention here. Uh, For the all-weekend team, it's just stuck in my craw coming off doing college football games. You see everyone listed, oh, last news, preseason honorable mention all Big 12, preseason second team Big 12. We want to record some of the best uh, best performers from this weekend. Uh, So let's start with the honorable mention, Dad. Your honorable mention all-weekend performer is who? I'm going to go with uh, uh, Tua Tunga Laivaloa for Miami um, and what he did against the Chargers. I mean, what what a game he had. I mean, this was the best game of the weekend, 36-34. Uh, the Dolphins win it, and Tungavailoa goes, throws for, what, 400 
and 466 yards, three touchdowns, a lot from the pocket, didn't have to move around a bunch. Remember, he's coming off. He came out of Bama with the hip. He had the concussions last year. And the thought is, what could this team do if he stays healthy? Now, the defense gave up a decent amount of points, but he was spectacular. Tyreek Hill goes for over 200 yards, such a deep threat. But Tua in the pocket, getting the job done. So, And, and in the best game of the Sunday package, we got one more game tonight, obviously. But I'll go two as my honorable mention. Yeah, that was incredible. Uh, I think I heard Chris Sims say it last night. That's the fastest offense in the NFL. That is going yeah. to be a nightmare for everyone involved. The Chargers looked really good in that game, crushing on the ground the way we expected. Uh, but with Kellen Moore coming over. But yeah, kudos to Tua. That was an incredible form- performance. My honorable mention, Dad, going to be Deion Sanders, man. The Colorado Buffaloes went out there and did the damn thing. 36-14 win at home against Nebraska. They smacked them around in a week where everyone was bracing for the letdown, Dad. And I think instead what we got out is the same message we got in week one. This team is well-coached and prepared for the moment. You saw, again, Shadur Sanders, 393 yards passing in this game. And while the Nebraska offense also has a lot to do with this, that was a group that did look sloppy, that did not look capable, that turned the ball over a bunch. Colorado's been quite the opposite so far, and it's been really impressive and it's going to be a really fun college football season for them now because this might just be a legitimately good team. Yeah, listen, I agree. I mean, and this was a game Nebraska scores in the third quarter, makes it 13-7, to and you're like, okay, they have to keep it close because they don't have the offense to hang if they don't. And then, of course, Colorado scores the next 23 points, and it's ball game. You know, Nebraska just hasn't had the ability to come back from that slower start for Colorado, which I think is to be expected with the caliber, uh, you know, of opponent there in Nebraska. But that offense is definitely a loaded offense. They have enough weapons to get the job done. And we just keep going. Next week, it's Colorado State, which a lot of people think they'll get by. And then it's back to back Oregon and USC. We're looking forward to that. But who knew we'd be saying that about a Colorado team after a one and 11 year? Yeah, I think that's the very fun part is now we're yeah. looking at the conference elite and going, all right, let's see what this looked like right. now. It's right. genuine curiosity for what's been one of the best stories in the sport so far. All right, Dad, your second team member, who it is from the all-weekend team. I'm going to go with Coco Goff. And she was at the game last night when I was down on the on the field before the game. She was there talking to people, taking pictures with people. And, and, it was, and she just looked like a 19-year-old at this huge NFL game, you know, like, wow, you know, I'm here and being treated like this. She even said, I don't I don't feel like a celebrity yet. That's where she's going. 19 years old, beat Sabalenka uh, in the finals. Who, uh, today, Sabalenka will be the number one ranked player in the world. Coco Golf's going to be number three, I believe. It's her first Grand Slam. She's 19. She looks strong doing it. Her ability to run down shots. She lost the first set uh, in this game, 6-2, and then won, went on to win 6-3, 6-2. Her ability to move and run and show her athletic ability was absolutely incredible. So, and I love the way she's handling it. You know, you people are, I want to win 50 of these, or a quarterback comes in, I want to win eight Super Bowls. She said, you know what? I'm not putting a number on it. I don't want to do this again because I like it, and I'll just try and win as many as I can. Not going to put a number. I I like that. I kind of like her attitude. Uh, You see her on the court, man. She's got that dead ass serious face that she plays with. She is she is fun to watch. 
I think I saw Dominique Foxworth say, I get intimidated when she looks into the camera because she's got such a stern, serious look on her face. And as anyone, for anyone that listened to your Sunday night broadcast, your poor partner, Ryan Radke, had to listen to you name drop Coco Goff like you guys were best friends coming off that pregame stint. Well, as I said, you know, two champions hanging out on the sideline. What are you a champion of? Uh, We don't need to get into that now. I'll explain it later. There we go. Champion of life. Uh, We'll bring that (laughs) statement back for everybody here. Uh, My second team uh, uh, member for the all weekend team here, Cooper Mumford, freshman offensive lineman for D2 Costa Mesa this weekend, who got a win over San Diego in overtime. Dad, the reason he gets this love, the 275-pound freshman offensive lineman picked up a fumble in a backfield that was supposed to be a double reverse pass. He was not supposed to get the ball, yet he knew what was supposed to happen in the play, picked up the fumble, and ended up throwing the touchdown pass for Costa Mesa, helping them spur them on to victory. It's one of the most impressive athletic feats I've ever seen. Dad, we love the thick six and offensive or defensive line and score on this team this was a thick flicks i think yeah that yeah. technically would count that as either way incredible effort and a reminder that football is a simple game you get your best athletes the ball in space and costa mesa found that out here yeah just the wherewithal to as an old lineman sorry, also, colorado like, I, mesa colorado mesa yeah, i keep saying colorado costa mesa colorado yeah. mesa getting it For right an old, old lineman to have the ball in his hand and had the wherewithal to say have the ability to throw it was pretty impressive Knew the playbook, executed accordingly. All right, Dad, your first team all-weekend pick. Who is it? Well, you know, I'm going to stick with tennis. Novak Djokovic, what he did winning his 24th Grand Slam. I mean, the most in the modern era past Serena Williams, who has 23. He's been in 76, uh, 72 appearances, 24 titles uh, that he has. He's been, I mean, he, he's been in, incredible. Of the 24, you know, he's been in, in 12 other finals. I mean, it's incredible what he has done in the world of tennis in, in this modern era. So uh, you got to give him his due. Uh, you got the, all the youngsters coming, like Alcaraz coming after him, who's 21. Djokovic is like 50. <laughs> but he just keeps winning and winning, and he was really excited about this one as well he should be he's won titles in exactly one third of the majors that he's played in is the most unreal stat on earth there and i'm with you the disappointment for me was that it was medvedev and not alcaraz here but yeah yeah, we're reminded as we get the extension of a young player consistency the likes of which we see from a novak djokovic aren't necessarily yet the hallmark of someone with that incredible ability. Hopefully we get more and more of those. Novak Djokovic is going to cement his place right now as the greatest men's player of all time. And for some people, again, personality-wise, that may be tough to stomach, but that's showbiz, baby, Uh, as is my pick for first team all weekend, Dad. This one, I had it marked down the moment I saw it. This is going to go down as one of the all-time greatest college game day moments ever. Desmond Howard picking the upset of Texas over Alabama by means of the white folding chair. As we are in Alabama, a mere stone's throw from the Birmingham boat brawl that went viral on the internet, the white folding chair that was weaponized in a battle for the ages here. Desmond Howard sitting with that in his pocket for about a month for the callback, and then for it to pay off with the upset was a beautiful moment of television that I'm sure 75% of the audience watching at home had no idea of, but me and the other creatures on the internet were relishing in. Oh, that was a great move. I oh. mean, absolutely a phenomenal move. And and then to do that and get the pick right, right? I mean, Lee Corso made the pick as well. I mean, in Tuscaloosa going with Texas. But uh, that was a, a great move that I, I actually think more people got than we might think because that was such, 
such a, a thing when it happened about chairs everywhere, memes everywhere with chairs in it. So I, I think that had to bring quite a chuckle to a lot of people's face. It was incredible, man. Just a, a, the moment in between when he was getting ready to make the pick and when he reached for under the desk. I will say my only criticism of Desmond Howard from the weekend, though, Dad, and you'd appreciate this, is they brought barbecue, I forget from where, out to the set for the crew, and they set the banana pudding down in front of Desmond Howard, and he babied it a little bit, Daddy. He had the big yeah, wooden spoon yeah. in there, and I immediately thought of you, a man oh. who loves banana pudding maybe as much or more than anyone as I've ever met. Yeah, the problem I do, and over my years in broadcasting, I've had m m so much food on the set and eaten, and the one thing you're not supposed to do, and I do it, and you do it as well, because you're supposed to take a taste and then you have to continue to talk is don't take a big bite. And I always shovel way too much in and I can't talk for like a minute because I'm too busy chewing. TV bites aren't real, but coming up next, rookie quarterback performances were. We'll round up some of the best from over the weekend and take a look next here on Gojo and Golic.